Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Chemistry presents the Cavalcade of America, starring Gene Lockhart and Lowell Thomas. Good evening, everybody. This is Lowell Thomas to tell you about tonight's cavalcade, the story of a man in a small town in Ohio. There are more important stories, I suppose, and yet there's something special about this one. It's a good story. It's good to be able to tell it, and good to know that it's true. It's about a man named Lou Reese. And in the part of Lou, you're going to hear the Broadway and motion picture star, Gene Lockhart. There's a little town in Ohio named Sio, where Lou Reese runs a pottery plant. I heard about the place, and I heard about the man, so I thought I'd go out and have a look. Sio, S-C-I-O, even the name is unusual. The day I arrived, Lou Reese met me at the station. Hello, Mrs. Thomas. Glad to see you. Come on, I'll show you the town. Sio is just a little place, 1,400 population. Actually, the pottery plant is the whole town, and Lewis Reese is the pottery plant. But he wasn't treated like an important man, and he didn't behave like one. Morning, Lou. How's the missus? Pretty good, Millie. I just sciatica. Lots better since I've been sleeping on that board. <laughs> Watch out for the splinters. <laughs> oh, Lou, go on. <laughs> nice gal, Millie. Hi, Lou. Hi, boys. Mr. Thomas, uh, this is Moore Thornton, town druggist. Morse, uh, shake hands with Mr. Lowell Thomas. Oh, pleased to meet you, sir. Lowell, I thought you were going hunting. Uh, not this week. Morning, Lowell. Hello, Reverend. Mr. Thomas, shake hands with the Reverend Schultz. Well, it's indeed a pleasure to meet you, sir. I shook hands with the Reverend Schultz and Mr. Spiker, the town banker, and lawyer Petty, and John Grace, the grocer, and two housewives who were out for some noonday marketing. Thomas, only an important radio commentator like you could do it. I guess this is twice this year I've seen Lou in a white shirt and a necktie. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pay any attention now. She's just razzing me. <laughs> Goodbye, Lou. Goodbye, Mr. Thomas. Goodbye, Liz. <laughs> you don't want to do a broadcast about me, Mr. Thomas. No, and I'll tell you why, Mr. Thomas. The story is these people. These people here on file. So come on, and you and I now will go out and we'll visit the pottery, huh? Perhaps it was because everyone called him Lou. And so he, he himself was so unassuming. But I didn't expect the pottery to be that big. It was huge, covering what seemed to be seven acres at least. In 1932, Sile was a ghost town. Nothing much to do except sit around, smoke your corn cob, and wait. People didn't know just why they were waiting and for what. They just waited. Perhaps they were waiting for a man named Lou Reese, who had friends in Sile, and who liked to hunt rabbits. Hey, wait a minute. Take it easy, fellas. What's the matter, Gene? See a rabbit? No, but I think Lou does. Stop. Go ahead, Lou. Go ahead. Shoot. Shoot what? You'll scare it away. What, that building there? You mean you don't see a rabbit? 
No. Uh, what's that building doing out here, fellas? Well, it looks like it's going. Going to ruin. What kind of a building was it? Oh, come on. Let's shoot rabbits. Oh, no, wait, wait a minute. What was it, Gene? It used to be a pottery. Closed down for years. Come on, let's go. Well, let's take a look at it. Hey, what for? I'll tell you what you find. Roof's broken, windows gone, stuff inside all shot. Hmm. Might be pretty cheap, huh? Maybe it wouldn't cost much to buy it. <laughs> oh, you kidding? You haven't got two nickels to rub together. Well, I got $1,100 I can cash out of my World War insurance. Come on, let's take a look. Oh, I'm not. Let's go hunting. Uh, come on, Lou. We started to get some rabbits. All right, you two go ahead if you want to. I'm taking a look at that building. I got a feeling I have found my rabbit. In Sio, they tell the story as though it were the beginning of a great legend. And perhaps they are right. They tell how Lou stood looking at the place. How he walked around it, seeing it from this side, then the other side. It was tumbled down, ramshackle, overgrown by weeds. He didn't even notice. Mm. Got an idea I can do something with that place. He took his idea into town. He wasn't a shy old man, but somehow he got the town dentist and the bank cashier. Boys, I've been looking around Sio since I came here. Ain't much to say, hello. Well, I don't know, but I can guess this. Business is pretty slow, isn't it? I wouldn't say it was slow. I'd say it ain't even moving. <laughs> and I it looks like half your houses are empty. Yep, just about. Take your thick, Lou. Send your whole house and lot. Hundred dollars cash. No, no house yet. I'm saving my money to rebuild that pottery. What? what? Oh, come on, come on, Lou. What makes you believe you can make a go of that thing? Well, I'll tell you. I've worked in potteries all my life. So what? And I think I know how to cut the time it takes to produce chinaware. Cut the time right in half. Yeah? Oh. It's like this. You see, most of them use two-kill firing. Well, then that's wasting fuel. But if it was me, I'd do it with one firing, and I'd use the waste beat for quick drying. See? Mm, that kind of talks way over my head. No, no, no. Well, wait a minute. It's plain simple. Look here. I've scratched this down on a piece of paper. You see? All down here. You see this? Now, that thing there stands for conveyor belt assembly lines, just like in an automobile factory. Oh. So, instead of bringing the people to the work, you bring the work to the people. Conveyor belt? Well, that takes money. Well, sure, anything takes money. And it's a risk. Well, that's right, it's a risk. But I think it's going to take more. I need you people. All right, folks, it's up to us. I personally think Louise's got something here. Now, what do you think? No, 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 Doc. Times like these plants are closing down, not opening up. Sure. But it means work for child people. Yes. And if I'm right, it means a lot of work. Besides, it, it means your wife can walk into a dime store and buy a coffee cup for a nickel that's made right here in America. Well, All right? Huh? Well, what do you say? Will you folks help me? How about you, Doc? Lou, no, I've got a few hundred dollars. You're welcome to it. Thanks, Doc. Well, now, come on, boys. We've got a man here with a warm idea. Now, let's don't let that idea get cold. Well, come on, who'll follow suit? 
Well, all right, I'll give you a hundred, Lou. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks, Don. I guess I can spare the same. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Here's mine. I'll go for fifty. The last chance. And here's a hundred. Well, the whole town's gonna go crazy. Who am I to keep my senses? Two hundred for me. He wasn't a man with a silver tongue, but he looked honest, and he sounded honest, and he was putting up his own $1,100, every cent he owned in the world. Somehow, they just couldn't let him down. The money they were able to spare wasn't very much, but it was enough to pay the $8,000 in back taxes that the building was knocked down for at the sheriff's sales. So, Mr. Lewis P. Reese had bought himself a piece of property. There it is, boys. The style of higher pottery. How she looked to you? Like a broken down barn. Uh, we'll fix that up in no time. And how many months is no time? Oh, now, don't be like that. The main thing is to get rid of the upright kills and put in the circular kills instead. And then the roof, well, if we're lucky, mended it'll do. Otherwise, we'll have to build a new roof. But I, I got it all figured out. Come on, now, let's get back to town. Uh, wait a minute, we just got here. Why do we go back? Because this is going to be a big job. I got to get us a labor force. Uh-huh. Mm. And what are you going to pay your labor force? You say, pay? Mm-hmm. P-A-Y. Pronounce money. Um, well, don't both of you stand there looking at me. I've used all I've got. Come on, I'm going into town and ask for volunteers. <laughs> And what makes you think they're crazy? Because they're the kind of people we are. They hate being on relief or out of work. This means jobs for style people. Maybe they're crazy like I'm crazy. I hope so. They volunteered the whole town. They drove their jalopies to the broken-down pottery bringing their own saws and hammers and shovels. Dr. Scott came out, and the high school principal, the minister, the minister's wife, farmers and their families, working without pay, carting out the dirt, shoveling sand, pouring cement, doing things they had never done before. Then, four of them moved right into that clammy, unheated barn of a factory. They lived there for six weeks, working from early morning when it was too dark to see until late at night when they were almost too tired to sleep. They slept in their overcoats, gloves on their hands, a cold, dreary barn of a place full of echoes. Tomorrow, Ernie and I work on the tunnel kill. Okay. Um, uh, Gene, uh, you and Don finish the shelving, huh? Okay. Then everybody else pitch in on the conveyors. The conveyors are the main thing. Okay, Lou, okay. Uh, please stop now. Go to sleep. Nah, my head's too full of things to do. I can't sleep. Yeah, and my head's full of things to do to you unless you shut up. Yes, but I... Now, look, look, we're tired. We've all done quite a bit. All of us. I know, boys, but it, it isn't enough. It's like you do what you have to do, and then you do a little more. Oh, no. I'm sorry, boys. I, uh, I guess I'm a regular slave driver. But, fellas, I I want to tell you this. It seems to me like I haven't done anything to deserve friends like you. Mr. Reese, 
Your friends are very sleepy. How can I ever thank you guys? Please, try a little silence. No, no. <laughs> I'm serious. And we're exhausted. Only a lunkhead like you'd think you had to say anything anyhow. You know, every time my back aches, I say to myself, you dumb jerk. That'll teach you to go rabbit hunting with Lou Reed. <laughs> <laughs> February 1933, the factory was virtually rebuilt. Lou Reese was almost ready to begin. But a pottery needs clay, so Lou talked to a salesman for a big clay company. Um, now, Mr. Peterson, uh, all I need is some clay uh, on credit. Well, I, I don't know. Credit is... How much do you need, Mr. Reese? Oh, just a little. It's not much at all. Oh, then it's all right. How much shall I send you? <laughs> uh, two carloads. That wasn't all. He talked the Chicago buyer into taking his first cups and saucers. Wait, you've got to remember you're a new outfit. All right, I'll do you a favor. I'll buy your cups and saucers practically sight unseen. But pay COD? No, it ain't done. This time, however, it was done. The pottery began to operate on February 13, 1933. Lou Reese had thought of everything. Almost. There was one small matter he had forgotten. Boys, my first payroll on the 23rd comes to exactly $990.53. Good, good. That's a nice round number. And how does 53 cents make a round number? <laughs> you better speak softly, boys. Why, what's the matter, Lou? Well, I've got to pay out $990.53. I'm a... I'm a little shy. Yeah? Well, how shy? $990.42. All I've got is exactly 11 cents. February 1933, Lou Reese of Sio, Ohio, trying to meet his first payroll, discovered that his total working capital was exactly 11 cents. The Sio people still grin at that recollection. In order to meet that first payroll, Lou had to call a meeting of his friends in the back room of the bank. Hold it. Hold it, everybody. Hold it. Now, let's see. There are 20 of us here. Is that right, Ed? That's right, Doc. All right. If 20 people each put up 100, how much does that come to? Well, uh... Oh, never mind. We'll ask Jay Spiker. He's a banker. How much, Jay? Enough to make Lou's first payroll. Then that's settled. All right, Lou. It's better than all right, Doc. You know, I haven't any doubt I'll be able to pay the money back, but some things you just don't pay back with money. be 200 people in style who can tell you this story. It's almost as though each one owns a part of the history of Lou Reed, and perhaps each one does. I remember what Lou's secretary told me. Mr. Thomas, my name is Nina Hiller. In 1932, Lou Reed was somebody God-sent. From the very beginning, we got better wages than anyone in the county. 
My, it was fine to see the business grow. Each year, more people got jobs. Lou put in a cafeteria, and then he added some asphalt tennis courts and a ball field and, and then a hospital. It got so that after people went home for supper, they came back to the cafeteria for coffee and for card games and to be together. It, it wasn't just working for a company. It was like all your friends in one place. Then she told about December 1946. Quiet, quiet, folks. Quiet, please. Um, folks, it's Christmas. Um, when we, when we began the Sio Ohio Pottery Company, I said it was going to be our business. Now, American business is run on the principle that the investor is entitled to dividends whenever it's possible to pay them. I got 11 cents, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> sure. A few years ago when I had to meet my first payroll, all I had was 11 cents. But I, I think we'll do better this time. Now, I'm not going to talk anymore. I just want to say that the entire Ohio Pottery has a little Christmas present for you. $705,000. Merry Christmas. The newspapers carried the story. It made Sile famous. I remember saying something about it myself. But the story isn't finished. The Sile Ohio Pottery became the biggest producers of white dinnerware in the world. Then on December 11, 1947, 15 years to the day when they moved into an old abandoned pottery. standing in the cafeteria. Come on, everybody. Let's get some coffee. Lou Reese told me the story. He got up and walked over to a window. There was just twisted girdies, rubble, and water. The damage was $2 million. But come here, Mr. Thomas. I want to show you something. Can you see that spot out there? Hmm? That's where the miracle happened the next morning. Nobody had asked them to come, Mr. Thomas. 
but they came. They came with shovels, with crowbars, with pickaxes, with wheelbarrows, with just their willing hands. Start here. Men, old men too, and high school boys. Emily, this way. Women, the young girls, housewives, the preacher, Mr. Spiker, the banker. And it was freezing, below zero, 18 below. So, where do you want to be? They weren't thinking of the cold. They were only thinking of one thing. They came on Friday, and more came on Saturday, and still more came on Sunday. From 20 miles away, they came. Okay, jump it. With their hands and with their hearts, they carried out the broken, burned-out pottery. And they left it clean inside, except for the twisted steel girders and the melted machines. Mr. Thomas, I worked with them, and I got tired with them, but... Maybe my eyes asked them why they were doing it. We're doing this for ourselves, Lou. Maybe this is how we pay you back for 1932. Mr. Reese, Ohio. I'm overwhelmed by your tragic loss and what it means to you all. Please let me know if we can help in any way. Our services are yours. Signed, R.H. Miller, Freight Traffic Manager, Pennsylvania Railroad. Reese, this is Weirton Steele. We're sending our general manager and our best engineers to survey your damage. punching the time clock. Lou wants you to punch the time clock. I don't punch any time clock. Tell Lou we're not doing this for money. Lou Reese stood near the window and he told me how the people of Sio froze their fingers in weather that dropped to 20 below. How they worked for 62 days. How they finally agreed to accept a dollar an hour. How they worked 80 hours and lied. I only worked 40 hours. You owe me 40 bucks. That's what I said. 40 bucks. He told me all these things and how men and women working in driving snow gathered the acres of steel and cemented that concrete blocks all of them and rebuilt their own dreams. You know what day this is, everybody? It's Friday, the 13th of February. Long time ago, we began on the 13th of another February. Now that we're all set to begin operations again, I want to tell you how grateful I am to all of you. All right, Aaron, start it up. We're back in business. We're back at the old stand.
Lou Reese drove me to the depot in Sile. Goodbye, Mr. Thomas, and thanks for stopping by. Lou, if someone were to ask you, what does it all add up to, well, what would you say? Well, I, I wouldn't know what to say, Mr. Thomas. And I, well, but I, I'm sure of just one thing. I've got the kind of riches money can't buy. As I left Sio, I came away with a cheering and hopeful feeling. Here was a good example. At Lou Reese's plant, management and labor recognized the value of mutual incentives. Together, they built up a small competitive business. Their survival in the face of disaster depended not only on themselves, but on the consumer and the public trust. They had earned success, and their united hard work paid off. Ohio, Ohio, and Lou Reed. Yes, the story of America that's good to know and good to tell and good to remember. you to be with us next week with our star, Charles Lawson. Cavalcade is directed by John Zoller, music composed by Arden Cornwell, and conducted by Donald Voorhees. Tonight's Cavalcade play was written by Morton Wishingram. Gene Lockhart is currently starring in the Broadway success, Death of a Salesman. Cavalcade of America comes to you from the stage of the Belasco Theater in New York and is presented by the DuPont Company of Wilmington, Delaware, makers of better things for better living through chemistry. The men and women of the DuPont Company and Cavalcade wish you a happy new year. Stay tuned for Baby Snooks, followed by Bob Hope on NBC.